A quick update on um, my son Ian, just because I know a lot of you are um, praying for us and as our family goes through this uh, challenge. Um, so Ian is home from Phoenix. He's been there. He was there for six weeks doing radiation treatments at the Mayo Clinic. And um, by all accounts, that went as well as we could have hoped. He tolerated the side effects of all that pretty well. And um, we'll do an MRI scan in a few weeks once everything inside has settled back down. And, um, you know, if that's, we, we expect that to be a good report, that nothing's grown. And then he starts chemotherapy. I think um, right now it's scheduled for the 14th of August. So here in about, what's that, another month, um, we'll start that. And that's about six months. So that's kind of, and that's all back here. So it's all, it's been great to be home. He's a... Uh, we all stood, you know, all four of us, plus our new little puppy, so all five of us in our kitchen the other night and thought when he, when he came home, and, and it felt fantastic to all be together because we've been running back and forth. So uh, keep us in your prayers. I, would, I really do appreciate it, and we really do feel that love. So um, thank you for that. All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts uh, be truly pleasing to you this morning. You are forever our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I want to start today by giving you four quick examples of things that have happened to me that I don't know what to do with. Okay? We'll start with a, a mild one. Once in my 20s, I was, I was out for a run. It was a beautiful evening. Uh, the sun was setting. And this feeling came over me of, of complete and total joy. I, I felt a connection with everything around me. I, I had no doubt in my mind that life was good and safe and beautiful. I remember I actually started twirling around as I was running, you know, like this. I was just so happy. Um, thankfully, I was on a remote road. I don't think anyone, <laughs> anyone saw me. What do I do with that? Right? Is, that just, is that just runner's high? Maybe. Here's another one. A few years later, after that, I was hiking by myself outside of Vail, Colorado. I wasn't Christian yet, and I was wrestling with what I really believed, what I really thought about this Jesus guy. And suddenly I felt the presence of someone walking beside me. I couldn't see them, but I knew in that moment that it was Jesus. The sense of his presence was so strong, I I actually started crying. What do I do with that? My rational side says I was in a vulnerable place and I desperately wanted to feel God's presence or Jesus' presence, and so I probably manufactured that whole thing. Maybe. Here's one from just a month ago. A member came through the line at the end of church. We shook hands, and and I remember I hadn't seen him in a while, and I, I wanted to talk to him more, but... After the line was done, he had already gone. So I went back, and I changed my robe, and I I came out, and I went through that door into the commons. 
About 10 minutes had gone by. And just as I did, he was coming into the commons from outside up the steps. We almost actually bumped into each other. He said he'd gotten to his car and had the urge to come back and see if he could find me. And we found a spot to talk, and, and that conversation was so special that I know that we both had the feeling that it was supposed to happen. But what do I mean by supposed to? Wasn't it all just a happy coincidence, really? Maybe. And then finally, there is a bird that's living in my backyard, a spotted towhee for you birders out there, who's been talking to me. Okay, I don't actually hear him talking. I'm not that weird. But there must have been at least three or four times in the last month that he has shown up at like just the right moment. And in those moments, I feel like he is trying to tell me something. Or dare I say it, that maybe God, through this bird, is trying to tell me something. Now, in all of these examples, nothing that we would call supernatural happens. And when I think back on them or I retell them like I just did, they don't actually sound all that extraordinary. Well, the one where Jesus walks beside me, that's, that's pretty weird. But, but. but what made them so powerful was not so much what happened as what I felt as they were happening. In each example, something felt different in that moment. I felt different in that moment. I felt like there was something bigger going on, that I knew that. And they're all a little weird, I know. But if we can't talk about weird stuff in church, then where can we? Right? Because church is weird. You do know that, right? I mean, the whole idea of God is weird. Following a guy who died 2,000 years ago, pretty weird. The Bible, super weird. <laughs> Full of angels, miraculous healings, stories like today. There's Moses just minding his business, tending his flock, and we're supposed to believe that, quote, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire in a bush. That's weird. And I like to think that I am a pretty rational guy. I don't want to get caught up in a lot of fantasy thinking. But I am pretty convinced at this point that there is more to the world than what science can prove. It's not that I am anti-science. I like to think of myself more as science plus. But of course, what science is discovering these days is actually stranger than anything you or I could ever come up with. They tell us, for example, that when you look at stuff really small, sometimes something looks like a particle, or it might just look like a, a wave. Or that if you take two particles that are linked, and I'm not real sure what they mean by that, 
If you change one, it changes the other one instantly, even if they're on the other side of the world. That's called quantum entanglement, by the way, something Einstein called, and I love this, spooky action at distance. (laughs) It's weird. And you don't need to understand quantum physics, thankfully, to look look at the images we're getting back from that Webb telescope and know that this whole thing is so much bigger and so much more incomprehensible than we thought it was. Rabbi Lawrence Kushner, who I mentioned uh, in my sermon two weeks ago, he asks something interesting about our burning bush this morning. He says, how long would you have to look at wood burning before you noticed that it wasn't being consumed? Even dry kindling, he points out, isn't burned up for several minutes. Right? Thus, he concludes, maybe, quote, the burning bush was not a miracle, it was a test. God wanted to find out whether or not Moses could pay attention to something for more than just a few minutes. And when Moses did, God spoke. The trick, Kushner says, is to pay attention to what is going on around you long enough to behold the miracle without falling asleep. There is another world right here within this one whenever we pay attention. There is another world right here within this one whenever we pay attention. And maybe what religion really is, what it's for, is to help us learn to pay attention, to wake up to the world that's actually right in front of us. We have always pitted religion against science, right? I don't think that's where the problem is. More and more, science and religion are getting over their defensiveness, shrugging their shoulders and saying, actually, it's just a lot stranger than we thought it was. The thing religion is really in opposition to is what I'm going to call a layer of curated reality that keeps us asleep to this wonderfully weird world. What I mean by that is hard to pin down and it's hard for us to see it because we are all so immersed in it. But it's that collective world of cell phone commercials, sports center, political tweets, and online bill pay that combine to create the illusion that all of this makes sense. It's this bubble of manufactured normalcy that we've created that is always a step removed from the direct experience of the world in front of us. And this curated world creates its own stories and dramas and problems that we then become totally engrossed in and consumed by, which gives us the sense that we know what's going on. But of course, we don't. We have no idea, not only why we're here or what the meaning of life is, 
We don't know what any of this is. We don't know why reality is. Which I suppose by itself is a pretty terrifying thought. And probably why we created and keep returning to that layer of curated reality. But this is where religion can help. Because religion's great insight and contribution is that even though we don't know what's going on, we can trust what's going on. It says, yes, the world is weird, but it's also faithful. It says you can trust waking up from that curated bubble and looking deeply into the world around you. You can trust that because the world is actually full of burning bushes. And when they appear, you will wonder what to make of them. But you will also have that strange sense of connection to something larger than you. And your heart will know what your head can't. That creation that creation is ultimately a love story. And remember, it wasn't until after Moses looked closely enough to see the miracle that God spoke to him. Remember that? Moses, perhaps caught in his own curated reality that day, said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight. And maybe we too have to turn aside, trusting that the more we do, the more God will speak to us through coincidences and nudges and other people and maybe occasionally a bird. And God will say the same thing God said to Moses because it's the only thing we really need to know. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground.